0: This podcast is brought to you by Belong, winner of Money Magazine's Best Value NBN Plan for the second year running.
1: Welcome to Property Unpacked, the podcast that unpacks the hot topics of property and explores how they affect you. I'm Alice Stoltz. In this episode, we discuss the rise of the renter's advocate, and then we hear what surprising data has emerged from the latest domain rent report. The Australian rental market has always been competitive. Many of us know that feeling of waiting for an estate agent to make some calls to check your references and credentials. Even if you're a model tenant, there are nerves involved. Increasingly, some property hunters are looking for that edge or advantage to lock in their perfect or dream rental. So how do you beat the crowd at an inspection and ensure your application is on the top of the pile? Enter a somewhat new professional service in property, the renter's advocate. Sarah L. Cordy, also known as the Rent Fairy, is with us to explain what a renter's advocate is and the services some tenants are increasingly requesting and needing to help them stand out in the crowd. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Alice. Now, Sarah, can you explain what you do for someone looking to rent?
2: Yeah. So the Rent Fairy is a tenant's agent and we assist with the searching, the sourcing, the applying and securing of rental properties. So we assist with gaining off-market opportunities, liaising with agents, processing applications for rental properties. We also assess and advise on applications. So we have a lot of people who come through who are struggling with securing a rental property. So we run through the whole process of searching, assessing on their applications. A lot of the time, there's a lot of first-time renters who have no idea how to put an application application in and a lot of the time there's relocations as well so we pretty much take away the stress of the searching for the rental properties putting in applications and then we also attend to open homes on behalf of the clients who can't attend we also assist with a tenancy dispute resolution, okay. so tribunal hearings.
1: Yeah, I had no idea that even services like this existed, Sarah. So, it, But it is very similar to what a buyer's advocate would do, but sort of like a renter's advocate. Yes, correct, Yeah. So we, we call ourselves the yeah, renter's advocates
2: and tenant's agents, mm-hmm. um, very similar to a buyer's agent. The end goal is to find a house for our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, we've been around since June 2020.
1: Yeah, right. And did it come out of a need? Did you hear about people sort of on the, you know, word on the street was that people kept hitting brick walls? Well, we we know that ourselves, don't we? Is that how it was born?
2: So I was in property management for 10 years and I found that a lot of the time when we were processing applications, the end point where we dealt with someone who was unsuccessful was we'd send an email or give a call and say, sorry, you've been unsuccessful. But there was never any, sorry, you've been unsuccessful, but what about this property? Mm. Or have you seen this property online? that might meet your criteria. And there was nothing there to kind of help the tenants. The tenants were always the ones that were just left out, I found. Mm. There's a bit of a gap between the tenants, agents and landlords. And that's when I thought, if I create the rent fairy, I'm able to bridge in on that gap and give the tenants someone to rely on and fall back on and help them push to secure a rental property. Mm. So, Sarah, what are the reasons someone would hire you then? Who do you find most of your clients are? There is a large assumption around that there's only working professionals who would come through and use my services because they're the ones that would pay for the services. But I deal with a wide range of people for different reasons. I mean, there are the working Mm. professionals who can't make the open homes, who don't have time to put the applications in. But there's also the people who are the first-time renters who have absolutely no idea on, on what to do or what's required in an application. Mm. then we deal with people who are relocating so at the moment i have a lot of clients who are moving from sydney to queensland and we assist with that whole process there's people who are selling and don't want to be living in their house so their agents have access to open homes there isn't really one particular reason why you would use a tenant's agent but in saying that everybody's end goal is to find a house and have a stress-free process in doing Mm. so
1: And do you anticipate more competition in this space? Is it something that has been happening overseas for a while and is now just coming to our shores or is it a new service that we're seeing in Australia? I
2: think it has been around for a while. I just don't think the demand on it has been as high as it is now. Mm -hmm. I do anticipate that in a few years, majority of renters will engage with a renter's advocate when looking for a rental property. And this will be looked at as something that is essential and normal.
1: Now, Sarah, from your experience in property management, you obviously know what goes in the secret source to have that kind of perfect candidate as a tenant stand out on top. I mean, how buttoned up do those applications have to be and how can a service like yours give people that extra leg up that they might not know themselves
2: yeah so a lot of the applications the stuff that's required on it now is is quite excessive i mean from bank statements to pay slips and i'm not talking like just a front page of a bank statement you need to show three months worth and agents are actually going through these these pay slips to make sure that your pay matches up to your pay slips and you know there's savings behind you a lot of the time people aren't putting in the appropriate Documentation into their application. So, where the rent ferry comes through is we assess your application and we will advise and we actually work with our clients to make sure that their application is
1: up to standard. Sarah, are there any trends you're seeing emerge in the current rental market at the moment? Yeah, so look, due to the amount of inquiries that I receive daily
2: requesting assistance in securing a rental property, I think there is a problem at the moment with supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Um, and a trend that I'm seeing, and this is based off my experiences with my clients is there is a shortage of homes available and an excessive amount of, of prospective tenants looking, Mm -hmm. um, majority of my clients in Queensland are almost homeless due to a shortage of properties. Mm -hmm. And then the properties that are available are being leased within days or leased prior to the first open home. So there is a massive demand and very little supply. Mm
1: We've heard anecdotally of people offering more money to secure a rent property and sort of, you know, all but sharing their mother's favourite roast chicken recipe to try to to secure a property. How does one approach that? Obviously, we don't want to get to this slippery slope where people are having to throw everything at an agency or, or a landlord just to get a property. So how how do we approach that to make the playing field even for all tenants?
2: See, this is the hard part because... What's happening is with the current demand is that landlords are accepting, you know, a, an application that's come in at $50 higher and there is competition when tenants go to open homes that they see that there's, you know, 30 people there and then 15 of them apply and all the rent is, is a lot higher. But the people are then missing out who are unable to apply at a higher rent. In my opinion, I don't personally think that applications should be approved based off a higher asking price. It should be based off the capability of the tenant to be able to pay the asking price. But unfortunately, um, you know, with with the demand, it's just it's just what's happening.
1: Mm. Sarah, can landlords also engage you if they sort of wanted counsel and advice about? renting out their property? Or- yes,
2: I do work with a lot of landlords at the moment who have properties online. So, a lot of the landlords will come to me and see if I have any tenants who are looking for rental properties in the area that their properties are in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also work with a lot of landlords who come through looking for agents. So, I put them in contact and help them through the process of finding a property manager, mm-hmm. which I find is something that landlords, they, they go out and you've got you know 15 to 20 agents in the local area and it's a matter of you've got it on Google and so forth. But having someone to go out and act on your behalf and liaise with these agents is um, something that I find landlords are wanting at the moment. Mm.
1: Sarah, what changes to the way rentals are secured or exchanged would you make if you could? Is there a silver bullet here to make this process better than what it currently is? Oh, look, I always think of ways that I could
2: change you know, procedures and, and protocols for the way in which tenants are treated through the process of applying and securing property. I don't feel like ten are treated in the same way as a purchaser would be if they were coming through to purchase a property. I think there is a level of communication that needs to be altered. It would be good to see rental properties being available at once to everyone who is looking and tenants having an opportunity to have their application processed and submitted to the landlord. Even if there is an excessive amount of applications, I'm finding with a lot of my clients is we're mm. putting applications in. And there might be 15 or 20 applications that we are aware of from the agent. And within you know 10 to 15 minutes we've been rejected because they've already been inundated with applications and we're mm. not even being given a go. And Mm -hmm. I think with the amount of people who are searching for rent properties at the moment, landlords are given a lot more choice on who they get to choose to be in their property. Mm. But I think that everybody should be given a fair go. If that means the landlord has 15 applications to choose from, I think all 15 should be sent to the landlord to be chosen because a lot of the time it's first in, first served. If you don't get your application in by Saturday afternoon, it's not looked at on a Monday, you know, which I don't think is fair.
1: Sarah, I also wanted to ask about when you do handovers back for a property. Obviously, you you can help a tenant who's exiting a property do that final inspection. That is that often where things can go wrong for tenants and landlords. Correct.
2: Yeah, a lot of the time, um, and this is why I introduced the ingoing condition report service that we have. A lot of the time, when tenants move into a property, they, they don't take notice of the importance of the ingoing condition report that when it comes to vacating, they're struck with, you know, a bond claim and issues in regards to cleanliness or repairs that are in the property because it wasn't noted on the ingoing condition report. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time we go through and we do do the vacate report, but keeping in mind that we only can go off, you know, an email or an ingoing condition report. So a lot of the time tenants are stuck with a bond claim or, or a tenancy dispute so yeah going condition reports we believe uh the most important thing at the start of a tenancy
1: And if required, will you put your gloves on and get to the next level in terms of disputing that if it ever has to go to a tribunal or something, you'll represent the tenant as well at that level? Correct.
2: Yes, we do. So we do evidence um, preparation. So we'll get all their evidence prepared with them. And then we'll also attend on your behalf and or with you to tribunal. Mm.
1: Well, it's a sorry state of affairs that your service has to exist, Sarah, but it absolutely does. I think given that what we're facing in Australia at the moment and um, knowing we're going to have more renters than ever in the the coming decades yeah I think it's an incredible idea of what you're doing so thank you so much Sarah it's really interesting talking to you you too thank you so much Alice all segments of property have been reaching records across the country and rentals are no exception to chat to us about the latest domain rent report we have editorial director Adrian Lowe with us today
0: Adrian welcome back to property unpacked thanks Alice good to be with you again So, Adrian, what's the headline from the latest report that's just been issued? The biggest headline here is that five of the eight capital cities are at record median house rents. That's Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, Canberra, and Hobart. And for units, it's a similar story. Brisbane, Adelaide, Canberra, and Hobart are at record prices. This is the highest that this report has ever seen them. So, great news for some landlords and not so good news for tenants.
1: And there's some definitely new kids on the block there, isn't there, in terms of what states and territories are included in that mix compared to what we've seen historically?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what we are seeing is that growth is really continuing in the smaller capital cities, particularly like Hobart, where growth just continues to happen in prices. You know, obviously, that's great for landlords. It's questionable for renters, there's questions around housing affordability in a lot of these cities. Um, Canberra continues to be the most expensive city around the country to to rent. Uh, that's largely due to the strength of the local ACT economy. Every time we see a lot of federal government spending, there's government jobs in Canberra. So that continues to put pressure on the market. And it's great news for, for those landlords. Um, and we're also seeing Adelaide, you know, sort of the quiet achiever of the property market for both house prices and rents, um, it's continuing to increase. And we are seeing you know, record highs, as I said. Also in Brisbane, where rents have been pretty slow, particularly for units, there'd been that sort of oversupply discussion for Brisbane for quite a while, particularly in the inner city. And now we are seeing those prices continue. And when you think about how affordable apartments are in Brisbane and the return you're getting as on the rents, it may actually raise some questions around whether it's a good time to buy those apartments that for a long time hadn't really been hot property.
1: Mm. It's a curious thing, as you alluded to earlier, when you said um, it, this is good news for landlords potentially who are going to be receiving more rental income, but not so good news for tenants. And it is a situation that the tenant's getting nothing more, are they? They're not getting any more bang for their buck in terms of they're just p- having to pay more rent when rents go up. So it is a really a
0: double-edged sword, isn't it? That's right. And I think the, the issue is, you know, in Hobart, for example, where, you know, Tasmanian wages are not the same as they are on the mainland, but yet... We are seeing people having to pay much more for the same property than they have that they've probably been in for a long time, or if they're having to move or change it's going to be a lot more expensive and this is the curious thing is we 're not seeing you know bigger houses you 're not getting better quality houses. this no. is just you know the supply and demand issue of, of property and we are seeing it on the other hand, what we are seeing is Melbourne is delivering pretty good bang for buck for renters. I would caveat that by saying it's going to be interesting to see what the effect of the end of the rental moratorium is going to have on the market there. But Melbourne unit rents are looking pretty good compared to where they were last year.
1: Now, Adrian, there was one glaring omission when you talked about the record median house rents. Melbourne was not in that list, which is unusual. It's never been a cheap place to rent necessarily.
0: So what's going on? Well, Melbourne, as we know, has been particularly hard hit by the pandemic last year and the effects on the rental market have been well documented. What we are seeing is big declines year on year for rents, particularly for units. Mm. The median rent for a Melbourne unit is down nearly 13% over the 12 months. It's now third cheapest capital in Australia to rent a unit and the second cheapest capital to rent a house. It's only $5 more expensive in Melbourne than it is in Adelaide. Now, the interesting thing here is that Melbourne has never been affordable comparative in this list of capitals. So, to see it quite at the bottom of the list in terms of most affordable or towards that end is quite interesting. And I think what we're going to see is – the end of the rental moratorium may have an impact on those prices over the next three to six months, particularly in areas of the city where rents have been steady or have slightly increased. So, the median for the capital city as a Mm. whole is down. There are some areas that are really dragging that median down and others where prices are starting to nudge up or have stayed steady. They are the ones to watch in terms of whether prices will go up and that's where you'd expect increases and it is the more affordable areas we are seeing on our data that are the ones where prices have been steady or slightly edging up in Melbourne and that's where tenants may not be able to actually afford that rental increase.
1: Tenants really need to be on their toes. I mean wouldn't it be nice to think they could you can just as a tenant you can just shop around and move house on a whim as soon as these rent increases and decreases take place but we know in reality that's not how people can you know live their lives. But gosh, it's really interesting watching that drop in a city like Melbourne, which, you know, I suppose you are getting bang for your buck in terms of being an incredibly livable city and arguably the best coffee in the country, sorry. But it's just going to be interesting to watch this space as their economy kind of plays out in in the years ahead post pandemic.
0: Well, yeah, that's exactly right. And the thing is, if you are looking to rent in the inner areas of Melbourne, sort of that you know, 5 to 10k radius of the CBD, you probably can afford to shop around a little bit. The reality is, if you're a family, that's probably not what you're looking for, the type of housing. And so, that's where the market is starting to pick up a little bit. The inner areas, though, are still the hardest hit from the pandemic. What we are seeing, though, is in every other capital outside of Sydney and Melbourne, the rental vacancy rate is incredibly tight. In Perth, for example, it's at 0.7%. So we are seeing massive issues. Like there have been reports of renters, you know, 50 to 60 renters queuing up for properties that open for inspections in Perth for rentals. You know, as the moratorium has ended, people are struggling to find somewhere that they can actually afford. And Perth is a rising market now. Like prices have gone up 14% over the year for both houses and units.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say that in Perth it seems like it's sort of a boom day for investors given that houses have gone up 14.7% in a year and basically you've got guaranteed tenancy if you are that investor.
0: Well, that's right. So this means that rents in Perth for houses and units are at their highest median since 2015. Now, we've known that the Perth property market really declined After the end of the mining boom, but that is roaring back, Alice. We are seeing, Mm. you know, huge queues at rental inspections. It means that landlords really can bump up the prices now that the moratorium has ended and reports of people paying, you know, up to $80 to $100 more than the asking price just to secure that property. So if you have got that flex in your budget, you're really able to get the property you want. And unfortunately, that causes problems for a lot of people who just cannot afford that.
1: Mm. So good news for an investor, not so much for a tenants.
0: Absolutely. And
1: Adrian, what's going on in Tassie just before we wrap up?
0: Yeah, so Tassie's really interesting. So Hobart, for example, is continuing to grow. The median there has gone up 2% in the year for houses. Uh, units have been pretty steady. But what we are seeing is that it's it's more expensive to rent a house in Hobart than Melbourne and Brisbane and Adelaide and Perth. So the growth is continuing to be in that market. It is, of course, quite different in different parts of the city. But there's a rental moratorium in Tasmania as well that's just about to end. They've also got a state election coming up in, about, in a couple of weeks. So what will be interesting to see is how the government continues to address the housing shortage that is in Tasmania. And that's been documented for a long time, that there's not enough houses in Hobart and also in Tasmania. Obviously, the questions remain around how the government plans to address the housing shortage because it's not sustainable for prices of a rental in, you know, the capital city of the smallest state in the country to be rising at such a heavy rate.
1: Mm. Well, and to have such a a lack of housing. At the moment the government can't even get construction rolling on to provide more housing to even, you know, have a roof for people to live in basically. So it's it's a big problem
0: that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. And we have seen, you know, big reports out of um, Hobart particularly, but other parts of Tasmania, you know, homelessness is a continuing problem in the island state. So it is problematic and the government, you know, is going to be under pressure to address the housing shortage.
1: It's certainly a very different look around. The whole country is very different in every single state. It's like we're looking at many different countries, not necessarily states at the moment, what's going on. Adrian, thank you so much for talking with us today. No
0: worries. Thanks, Alice. This podcast is brought to you by Belong, winner of Money Magazine's best value NBN plan for the second year running.
1: You've been listening to Property Unpacked, a podcast by Domain. If you like what you've heard, hit subscribe and have new episodes delivered to you as soon as they drop. Our executive producer is Adrian Lowe with production by Hayley Cools and editing and mixing by Dan McHugh. For more property news, advice and market insights, head to domain.com.au or download the Domain app. Thanks for listening. Chat to you soon.